0: Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, there was an op-ed in the New York Times uh, titled, Why People Hate Religion. Uh, It's a snappy title. And uh, to be clear, I don't think that this article is like uh, the liberal media seeking to persecute Christians. I think it might be more uh, what you would call natural consequences for bad behavior. But the article uh, starts by saying that religion is finding opposition in America because of the phonies, the charlatans who wave Bibles, and the theatrically pious who wear faith like a fluorescent orange vest. Ouch, right? Does that sound right to you? Phonies, charlatans who wave Bibles, and the theatrically pious. That sound right? Sounds right to me. Uh, most of the data, suggests so there's a lot of data around this, most of it suggests uh, that folks are resistant to religion and religious communities and religious people uh, because of the associated judgment, hypocrisy, and need to control other people's behavior. Judgment, hypocrisy, and control. That's what the, the modern uh, Western Christian religion has been dominantly boiled down to, thought of. That, that's perception. Uh, judgment, hypocrisy, and the need to control. It is so, so, so disappointing uh, to read the data and to read these articles because it uh, feels true. And uh, we, you and I, us, gather, we are religious. Uh, we're a religious community. You're watching church right now. Uh, so People are going to show up here. To church, do this religious uh, thing together. We are religious people and uh, we can do better. We can do better than judgment, hypocrisy, and control. We can't. We can write a better story, uh, but we need to find uh, a way to adapt and adopt a healthier religion, a, a healthier spirituality. And uh, we're in week two of a four week conversation in the book of Colossians, and uh, Paul writes this letter from prison. Uh, to the church in Colossae, a group of people he hasn't met before. And uh, he, he's encouraging them and reminding them not to give in to the social pressures, uh, to diminish uh, the name of Jesus or or leverage Jesus for their own power. And in chapter 2, Paul is specifically talking about pushing against and actively avoiding unhealthy religion. And in particular, the unhealthy religion of judgment, hypocrisy, and control. This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. It's a lot, and there's a lot here, but we'll, we'll walk through it. This is what Paul says. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of the world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with all the things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. There's a lot there. Uh, there are two different sets of people uh, here who are putting pressure on the church in Colossae. So these, these Christians, this new church, these new Christians, um, many of them are coming out of uh, what would be described as maybe a mystical, polytheistic religious background. So uh, you see Paul referencing here the New Moon Festival and the elemental spiritual forces of the world. right? He, he's kind of uh, calling out that particular background. And saying, you don't have to give in to what those folks are asking you to do. That religious group is asking you to do and be. And, and then there are what, what can maybe be described as Jewish fundamentalists uh, who are telling these new Christians that, that to be real Christians, uh, they need to eat kosher and be circumcised and follow all of the Jewish laws. And both of these different groups, uh, these kind of mystical, polytheistic religious groups and and these Jewish fundamentalists, they're putting the same kind of pressure on the church to say, you need to be religious how we are religious. And and Paul here is pushing against that unhealthy religion, uh, that same unhealthy religion that we find dominating our culture. He he says, he starts off in verse 16 by just saying, there are people who are judging you. Do, Do not be judged. Then twice, Paul mentions false humility. Uh, That's just pretending. False humility, it's just pretending. It's humility for the camera. It's hypocrisy. It's PR. And then he addresses in verse 21 through 23 this idea of control. Don't eat, don't taste, don't touch. The control, he says, it's self-imposed worship, and it's harsh treatment of the body, and it has no value. That kind of control, especially over people's bodies, has no value. It's not healthy religion. And it is almost disturbing how easy it is, and apparently always has been, to fall into these religious traps. To say, well, we have the answers, and so we are the in-group. We judge the out-group. Well, we pretend, we put on a facade in order to maintain our in-group status. And we dictate the behavior of those around us in order to maintain control in the in-group. It's gatekeeping, it's exclusionary, it's harmful, and it may feel familiar to you, but it is not new. It was happening in the church 2,000 years ago, and we are being warned by the Apostle Paul to push against, to stand against, to actively avoid that kind of unhealthy religion that judges that is hypocritical and that's controlling. So I'll give us kind of a path forward. How do we we work towards a healthier religion? But I I don't want to just critique, right? It's easy to stand and just critique unhealthy behavior. But I just want to park here for a second to acknowledge this, that the Bible, our sacred text, the Bible is advocating against unhealthy religion. It's not... Uh, It's not the liberal left wanting to critique Christian practice. It's not an Instagram personality who's mad at their old church. It's the the Apostle Paul. The Bible is saying, don't let people judge you based on how you worship. The Bible, the Apostle Paul says that false humility, pretending to be humble, humility for the camera, PR, it has no value. A, A prominent religious leader in America has been quoted as saying, Uh, Don't get mad when people lie about you. At least they don't know the truth. That kind of pretending, that kind of hypocrisy has no place in healthy Christianity. It is of no value. And then Paul says uh, get this the rules about your body, that kind of control, it has no value. And some of you, especially if you are a woman who's grown up in the church, you have had a a mix of uh, what people have claimed to be Christianity mixed in with body shaming and purity culture, and you have been told what to do with your body. Those rules, Paul says, they are man-made, it is harsh treatment of the body, and though it appears to be wise, it has no value. Right? The the Bible is saying, don't let anybody tell you what to do with your body. That's unhealthy religion. It has no value. That kind of religious control is unhealthy. Judgment, hypocrisy, and control. Colossians 2 says, don't let anyone judge you. Don't practice false humility. And control has no value. It's unhealthy religion. And it's just worth acknowledging. The Bible is telling us this, okay? So how do we tell a different story in our avoidance of unhealthy religion? How do we practice a healthy and beautiful spirituality? Calling out is important, but that ultimately is the easy work. The hard work here is internal because if you were given a religion of control, a a judgmental religion, it is really easy to practice that same kind of judgment and control. Even when your beliefs change, Even when your views change, it is easy to say there's an in-group. These are my new beliefs, and I am in, and everyone who's outside is wrong. I'm judging them. I'm going to put up a facade to remain in this in-group. It's easy to look back on your old community and say, how silly of them, how uneducated, how ignorant. Maybe they'll get here eventually. It's judgment. It's in versus out. It's exclusionary. It's all the same practices. So our work is not primarily just to sit outside and critique unhealthy behavior. Our work is to practice a religion that doesn't give in to those temptations at all. So instead of judgment, we practice humility. We say, I do not understand it all. I have a limited view on the world. I don't have your experience. I believe you when you tell me your experience. It's humility instead of judgment. And then instead of keeping a religious facade, doing our own PR all the time, we practice all-out integrity that what comes out of our mouth is what we actually believe and it's what actually happened it's honesty about ourselves it's honesty about other people it is all out integrity that is healthy religion right no pr no pr <laughs> all out integrity and then if we if we want to have a healthy spirituality then we need to practice consent instead of control right we have to acknowledge that every individual has autonomy and the ability to make choices and decisions for themselves and especially for their own bodies. We don't know what's best for someone else. They consent, they self-select in or out of whatever religious practice they choose. No one gets to dictate how someone else practices religion, and especially what they do with their body because of their religion. This is all meant to be consent-based, no manipulation, no control, autonomy, and consent. Right, That's our work. That's how we actively push against unhealthy religion. Right? This is internal work that we say, I'm going to practice humility. I don't understand. I believe you when you tell me something. I have a limited view. We're going to be the kind of people who have all-out integrity, that what comes out of our mouth is what we actually believe, what we actually think, what we actually saw happen. It's all-out integrity. And then it's, uh, it's a religion based in consent to say everyone has autonomy over their own decisions. No control. Judge no one. Do no PR and allow others full autonomy. That is our work. So one of my favorite things about Gather is that we are a truly inclusive community. I'm proud of that. Uh, but I haven't always held to that, um, to that kind of theology. I haven't always been uh, inclusive in that way. Uh, But one of the reasons that I have kind of moved and changed my mind on that um, is because I started reading the data, and specifically the data around suicide rates for LGBTQ youth. And we're going to talk about, I'm just going to mention suicide a few times, just so you know, Um, but LGBTQ youth are more than four times as likely, more than four times as likely to attempt suicide than their peers. And the Trevor Project estimates that more than 1.8 million, more than 1.8 million LGBTQ youth seriously consider suicide each year. And the rate of suicide attempts goes up for kids who hear their parents use religion to talk negatively about LGBTQ folks. But research does consistently find that LGBTQ young people report lower rates of attempting suicide if they have any affirming spaces in their life. And if they just have one accepting adult in their life, it can reduce suicide attempts by up to 40%. So I I read all this data and I realized in the words of Kevin Garcia that bad theology kills. Literally unhealthy religion is a life or death issue. Maybe it's not for you, but it is for some people. And I hadn't figured out exactly what to do with Romans 1 or some of the other Bible passages, but I realized that there were literally millions of kids in our country alone that needs somebody to tell, to tell them that they are loved and that they are valuable. And that clearly the data is in a religion that is judgmental And controlling is ruining the lives of those who are being judged and controlled. Unhealthy religion breaks people down. It breaks down the judge, and ultimately, it breaks down the person who judges, the controller and the controlled. Because you will either be pretending or you will be projecting. You'll be hiding who you are in order to avoid judgment, or you'll turn into the person who judges. It's no good either way. This stuff matters. Deciding to practice a healthy spirituality, a healthy religion, it matters. It matters on the large scale, the the systems and institutions of belief, practice, of course, but it matters individually. It matters for you. It matters internally in your heart. Are you a person who can practice a healthy spirituality, a healthy religion to say no more control, no more judgment, no more hypocrisy? We need a healthy kind of religion. It's what Paul is giving us in Colossians 2. He's telling us. He's warning us. He's pushing against this unhealthy religious practice. So for you, what kind of religion have you been practicing? I know it's easy to look out at big institutions and offer critique. I like doing that. But what about you? Individually, what kind of religion have you been practicing and uh, wh- which of these unhealthy practices that Paul outlines is uh, most difficult for you to kind of get past? Uh, judgment, hypocrisy, control. For me, for me, it, it, it's hypocrisy. It's hard to say out loud, even. I wrote it down, but it's hard to say out loud. Uh, I don't feel that I'm, I'm not dishonest often. I'm not trying to lie or anything like that. But uh, I am pretty worried about what you think about me. Uh, I do some uh, framing, some shifting, because I want you to think about me in a certain way. And so sometimes the, Paul calls it false humility. I think that's a good phrase. Uh, Sometimes it's like uh, vulnerability, but uh, managed, planned. You know, I I struggle with that. For you, I I wonder what it is for you. And then what would healthy religion look like for you? This week, what's your work this week to have a healthier spirituality? And maybe you could try to think about how your religious upbringing uh, has impacted your other relationships, right? Not just what you do in a church service, but how it impacts your parenting or your partnering or your work. This judgment and control, it spills over in all kinds of ways. It does It overflow. And then, so what's your work? Maybe it doesn't feel like it's religious work. You say, you know what, with my partner or with my kids, I'm going to do a little less control. Everybody has autonomy. A little less judgment. I'm going to spend less time on social media. I'm going to turn the TV off. What, what's your work to say, I want a healthier spirituality? Right? We can do better than judgment, hypocrisy, and control. We can write a better story, but we need to find a way to adopt and adapt into a healthier religious practice. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus introduces this really simple metaphor. He says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. This is ultimately the test of our religious practice. What is the fruit of your religion? What is the fruit of your practice? Is it harm? Is it hate? Is it fear? What is the fruit of your religion? And could it be possible, could it be possible to practice a religion that bears freedom instead of bondage? Could could it be possible to practice a religion that bears vulnerability instead of shame, humility instead of judgment, Consent instead of control. Integrity instead of hypocrisy. What is the fruit of your religion? What is your life bearing? What is our community bearing? What is the fruit of your religion? Surely we can be more than charlatans who wave Bibles in the theatrically pious. Surely this faith, this Jesus, surely this community can bear goodness and grace, forgiveness, inclusion, and justice. May this be the fruit of our labor. So gather, this is my prayer for us today. You are free from the bonds of judgment and control. Resist the temptation to shackle anyone else. Let integrity and humility overflow from every corner of your life. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.